So you're a huge fan of Atlanta United. And you want Dave to give you the latest insights to our tactics. Pineda, five in the back, are you kidding me? Or maybe you can't effing believe we signed Don Dwyer and you want to hear Mikey Dobbs rant about it. Well, you've come to the right place. I'm David Katz. And I'm Mike Dobbs. And this is the the ATL on Fire podcast. Soccer Freaks, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United Football Club. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, you listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play, whatever your podcasting choice is, also subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, ATL on Fire, hashtag ATL on Fire. You will find us uh, and subscribe. I really appreciate it. We're racking up the subscribers. Dave, Carmen, how are y'all doing? Good. It's been so long, I forgot what you looked like. I know. We've been slacking. <laughs> Carmen, how you been? All is good here. All right. All is good. All right. We're well, ready to go. There's no lack of things to talk about. We, no. Uh, we've been slacking. I think we've had some summer vacations and uh, just haven't gotten so around to So has the it. team. Yes. <laughs> so it's been good timing, really. You know, the team's going to take a break. We'll take a break, too. Let's take a breath. Um, we are behind the eight ball, to say the least, at this point in the season. Um, Dave, if my math is correct here, you know, we've had five games with one win and two goals. You yeah. know, I'm no genius, but that's not, those aren't good numbers. It's not good, Mikey. <laughs> so before we get into the numbers and the details, uh, you've been nice enough to bring a, uh, a bottle of red wine to calm our nerves to get into <laughs> this. What, what are we drinking? We are drinking a Zinfandel called Ancient Peaks from Paso Robles, which, you know, as we've talked about before, is a little lesser known than uh, Napa or Sonoma, but is really a really excellent wine growing region. And uh, I like it. What do you think? It's great. Absolutely love it. I Um, was going to point out, you know, we were talking about the point total. Yeah. Right. So, you know, how many points we have right now? I think it's somewhere like around 24, right? You know, it's 25. Yeah. And you know how many it takes to get into the playoffs typically? Oof. Probably only like uh, probably close to 40, right? It's (laughs) It's <laughs> I wish <laughs> it typically takes 48 points okay. to get into the playoffs. Mikey Dobbs. Well, that's the, a long way from here. The, the only reason I was saying that is because we're, uh, we're still only like what? Four or five points from the seventh. Place yeah. Spot, it's though. notoriously mediocre season for right. most teams. So that helps, but it's still going to, no matter, even in those season, it still takes 40 around 48 to get in the playoffs. Okay. So yikes. Some work to be done. Definitely. Definitely some work to be done, Carmen, with the understatement of the year. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dave, yeah, I mean, after our last podcast, I think I ended it with a bold prediction, which most of my predictions are wrong. We have a proven track record yeah, of that, right? Yeah, I'm always right? right, and no, I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah, no. <laughs> just but kidding. Yet again, I'm like, all right, even though it doesn't make any sense, we've got a home stretch coming where we've got – a game against Austin. We got a game against Real Salt Lake and then Orlando at the Benz. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Pineda hasn't been getting it right, but we're 
should be, you know, turning it on. Some people are getting back healthy. We've got great attackers. We're too good on the talent side not to get two wins at least out of that home stretch. Yep. And I said, you know, we're going to do that and we're going to make the playoffs. And I did say that if we don't get two wins, then there's a real problem. Pineda probably has to go in my mind uh, because something is symptomatically wrong. I did say that. And we didn't get it done. We went one, one, and one nope. in, in that home stretch. <laughs> so, Do you remember what I said? Yeah, you said you want to believe that we have the talent to do it, but you did not believe we were playoff bound. You, no, and I said I thought Austin was maybe one of the best teams in the league, and that was well, danger. They, <laughs> they, you know, you and I were at that game together, Ugh. and boy, were we? Jo- I'm yeah, trying we're, not to remember. I am too, but we were, and Josh Wolf. Okay, out if you say so. Coach the hell out of Pineda. Yes, I mean it was an embarrassment. Real, real embarrassment for it. It wasn't good. So do you want to get into that game? Um, Is that where you want to start, Mikey Dobbs? I mean, we could start there. You know, Dave, I've also got some ATL on fire trivia. It's up to you. You're in charge. Well, I I say we go with some ATL on fire trivia. Okay, start it out on the right foot instead of the wrong foot. Absolutely. (laughs) The the ATL on fire trivia is going to touch on something that, you know, we talked about briefly a month or so ago. And that is MLS's new deal with Apple TV. Oh, that is a positive. I like it. Okay. And, you know, at that point, I really wasn't well researched on the topic. I knew okay. a little bit, a little bit of the headlines, right? Um, and since then, I've, I've dug in a little bit. I've created a little trivia to test your knowledge okay. and to edu- educate our listeners on what is going to happen in 2023. And I don't think a lot of people realize what a changeup this is going to be mm. for watching Atlanta United, if you're an Atlanta United fan, it certainly matters. You mean the sound is no longer going to be decoupled from the play, as in a Bally Sports app? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Bally Sports will be no longer, but let's get, let's get right into Apple it. You think Apple can get that right? <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope. Oh, Lord. Okay. So here we go. To, to kick things off, is the deal more or less than $2 million per year? Oh, goodness. So, so you know... Um, Carmen gets the help because you've gone yeah. way out of my expertise area, right, into uh, entertainment. You know, Carmen's are uh, all things uh, you going to your entertainment and social media, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, more or less than $2 million? A year. A year. And the deal is over 10 years. I think it's actually, I would argue that it's slightly over $2 million. I think over. That is correct. So the deal is a $2.5 billion deal exclusive for Apple to have. Wait, you, $2 billion or $2 million? $2.5 billion over okay. 10 years, okay. which is basically $2 million a, $250 million yep. a year. Okay. okay. Um, so, yes. And that's Whoa. kind of the, that's kind of the minimum. Is that the first time we've done math on the podcast? I, 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 I was impressive. I came prepared. <laughs> I'm impressed. So yeah. He's on fire. It is the largest deal in MLS history. Mm. Um. So, second, Dave, will fans have to buy an Apple TV subscription in order to watch their local team on the MLS streaming package? I think the answer is no, that you can just buy your team. So, the answer is no, um, but you can't just buy your team. Oh, okay. You have to buy, essentially, a MLS, an MLS streaming thing. service, yeah. right, that... 
yeah. uh, that is okay. th- that you can have access to. It's it's an undisclosed price okay. at this point. All right. Um, well, it's free for me as a season ticket holder. That is, I did. I, I figured you knew that, so I didn't add that one to the <laughs> trivia. So you've educated the listeners. Who if you're are, a season ticket yeah. holder, you're getting it for free, people. That's right. Okay, so now this is where the education comes in. If a fan already has Apple TV subscription, do they get the full MLS streaming package? You've got the Apple so TV. Normally, I would the say, Apple TV Plus, basically. Normally, I would say, you know, companies would screw you and whatever, but Apple's a decent company. I bet they'd just give it to you. I'm going to say yes. Carmen, you going to lifeline them? Apple will still screw you. <laughs> well, okay, we're going with Carmen then because she knows more than I do. You're a smart man, so the answer is no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you're right. if you're paying the five dollars for you know to access to Ted Lasso right now, which is the Apple at two Apple at two Apple Plus, right? You still will have to buy whatever the package is, the MLS streaming package, but you okay. will get a bunch of free games uh, for MLS. That will be selected and and nice. brought, broadcast as part of the and some MLS other soccer Plus. too, right? And some other mm-hmm. like MLS, yeah. So I mean, it, this includes all the League Cup stuff, the MLS Next stuff, um, as is all a part of the package. All right, but, I like um, it. But yeah, so uh, next, will you need an Apple TV device to watch the game? So the what people have long considered like Apple TV, which is actually like the little piece of hardware, right? Mm. Well, you need to buy that to be able to watch it. Definitely not. Because, you know, I mean, I can get Apple TV now and I don't have a doohickey. That's that's correct. Yeah, you just need an Apple TV app. Ted Lasso, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got the Apple TV app on my Google Android TVs uh, in in the house. Yeah. So you just need to be able to have that you down, downloaded. You don't even have to be Mikey Dobbs yeah. to be able to find that or on the you, internet. You can go to you can go to tv.apple.com on your computer, right, and log in there and watch it. You can do it on your iPad. Anything that's essentially connected to the internet where you can access the Apple TV um, platform. All right. Dave. We're doing well. You are doing well. This is shocking. Will there be any local blackouts? See, I'm going to go again with Apple's a good company. They wouldn't do it to us. But I'm going to say Carmen's going to say yes, they would. (laughs) What do you think, Carmen? Are they going to do that to us? I feel like no blackouts. No blackouts. All right, we're both saying no blackouts. That's correct. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So this is amazing. So no amazing. more VPN for no Mikey more Dobbs. VPN. No more ESPN <laughs> Plus uh, blackout situations, which a lot of us who don't have. I did get a notification Valley. on my phone that Mikey Dobbs is no longer on the uh, FBI wanted list yeah. for <laughs> internet piracy. So that probably now makes some sense. No, that's why you have a v- <laughs> that's why you have a VPN in the first place. So the FBI can't see what you're oh, doing, okay. Dave. Okay. All right. So will Apple TV broadcast most, say like 95 percent of the games, MLS games in the regular season, or all of the games, as in 100%. I know this one. They're broadcasting them all. Every single freaking one. Really? I think so. I'm going with him. He's that is correct. So it's like over 900 games. Nice. Yes. It's like over 900 games. And that'll also include like all the League Cup stuff. Like, boom. Even Columbus versus Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, sorry. I mean, you guys are doing. I'm just kidding, you guys out there in Ohio. No problem. <laughs> you guys are doing really well. So, will subscribers also get original content produced by 
the MLS, uh, like, you know, maybe like player exclusives, team exclusives. Like- I'm going to say we're going to get exclusive interviews with Pineda, but we're not going to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your answer. You think you think they'll produce some other stuff that's unique to the MLS? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to do that, too. There'll be maybe like, I don't know, there's some term called a whip around show that they do. On, uh, I don't know. Don't it's know like a... Like after after the games, like all the all the commentators talk about each of the teams, and I guess this is big for the Premier League. I don't know. I got to look up what that actually is. Mm. All uh, right. But I mean, you know, I mean, it, it is an interesting opportunity to think about the the different other content specials that can be on there. Like even imagine like a red zone of those nine hundred mm-hmm. games, like on a weekend. Like you just go to like the highlights, like <laughs> when all the goals are happening. Yeah. Like I could see that happen in the next ten years, right? Like you go to yeah. the the red zone or the goal zone. For those of you out there who don't know what that is, that's in the NFL where they they show any game where the team is close to the end zone. In this case I think it would be a little different. It would just be like the light at the last goals would immediately pop up or something. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So who's going to produce all of these games? Like who's going to like, you know, do the production and, you know, (laughs) that's bad because she has to be our podcast producer. So I've applied. I'm going to go with Carmen. (laughs) Carmen, this could be an opportunity for you. You've got a resume now. I presume you mean a company, not a person. Well, who's going to produce it? Yeah, I don't there, know. There's, what does that even mean? Who's, who's the entity that's going to? I'm so out of the loop. I don't even know what this question this, means. This is in, this is important. And if I'm going to defer to you, Carmen. Oh, who's going to produce I have this? No idea. Produce. Can you give us like some? Options? Well, we know Apple's going to broadcast it right on their platform. Right. Right. Who's going to actually produce it? There's who's a gonna, difference. Yeah, like who, who are the people that are going to be talking? Like who's going to organize and what's the studio they're in? Who's going to do all that? Wait, I have a question back. This for is you. important. Think Bef- about before it. Before you answer that question, are we still going? Are we going to get good commentators? Are they going? This is like- all a part of the question here, Dave. Oh, Who's God. producing this? Okay, so are they soccer related? Oh, at least sports or something. Hopefully, is- it's not ESPN then. Okay, so because t- sometimes t- they're com- yeah. since you guys aren't go- giving yeah. me an answer, I'm going to no just idea. go ahead and give you the answer. Yeah, it's it's the answer. MLS. Oh. The MLS is responsible oh. for producing. Every Doing game. our own thing. I like it. So they've got to figure out between now and February 2023 where these studios are, how to set them up. And we should apply. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. We have a three-person team. It could be, you know, we could replace their whole team. We could have Carmen sideline instead of Julie Sekovich and All right, so this you know, is Kevin Egan right here. Hold on. So this is Moadu right there. And this is going to be great. Another quick follow-up. Will the league eliminate local broadcasts? Hopefully. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I really like Kevin Egan and uh, Moe yeah. yeah. So what's So what's the answer there? Will that be eliminated? Well, again, I'm going to say if I were Apple, I would keep local. I would keep and so team. I would say they're smart and they'll do it. But So you're saying the answer is no, they won't eliminate local broadcasters. Correct. That's what I'm going with. You're wrong. The answer is yes. <gasps> what? Oh, no. What about our beloved Sekovich? She gone? Well. Fired? Essentially, yeah. Essentially, as far as I know, they are jobless at the moment. 
I, I would love to also hear from Jason Longshore, okay. who does the radio. Now, right. I believe their job is safe because, okay. because I did. Apple's not competing against the radio. They're not competing against yeah. the radio. And in okay. fact, a little another piece of education on the Apple TV app, you can toggle it to the local broadcast on radio oh. if you want the so local So we can broadcast. watch Apple and listen to Jason, yes. friend of the podcast. So that's cool. I like it. Uh, hopefully, we can have him on and confirm. All I right. hope his. He's all secure with 92.9 yeah. The Game. They broadcast it there. Okay. And we can listen to him on Apple TV. I like it. That's yeah. good. So, um, so now there is another thing that's going to change the ATL on Fire podcast. Do you know this? No. So, so as season ticket holders, we now get an added perk. Have you heard? I have not. That's going to change the ATL on Fire Let's podcast. So... Apparently, as season ticket holders, Atlanta United yeah, will right. now pay for any ticket for an Atlanta United season ticket holder if they go to an Atlanta United game at any other stadium in all of MLS. Yeah. So we're going on the road, people. That's right. We are going on the road. Let's bet. Wait, 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 wait. Free wait, wait, wait. tickets. Free tickets. Paying for these yeah, tickets? I did know about that. Yeah. Atlanta United. Atlanta yeah. United is going to pay for us to go see Atlanta United at wherever we're going. Yeah. What the what? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uncle Arthur, Arthur. Yeah, he's, he's doing a solid there. We're going on oh. the road. We're taking the podcast on the road. Yeah. So back to the, the... Which we couldn't afford to do before this. Sorry. Back to the production trivia. So evidently they're going to have a centralized group of commentary. So mm. it'll be between hmm. t- uh, teams of 10 to 14 teams. So okay. I, su- I assume that's two on each yeah. group okay. or something like that. We're going um, back to the early days when they had it on ESPN and they had just like and so, game of the week and a certain commentator. So evidently certain teams have really good local broadcasters like we do. Yeah. Apparently other teams have crappy local broadcasting. <laughs> so this gives, you know, MLS. Is it a team from Ohio? MLS to create, you know, just like EPL, some of the consistent voices. And maybe, you know, they do hire Egan and Jillian and, and, and Adu into into that MLS production team. We don't know. I heard Orlando allows Mickey Mouse to do their broadcast. Yeah. Is that true? Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, Mickey, I, I no. Got, I got these in the wrong order, but okay. um, uh, there's more. Yeah. Wow. Will there the, we go. Will the game be broadcast, uh, uh, broadcast in 4K? Is there a 5K? Because if Apple has there it, is, there's there, is, there is an 8K just to... Oh. I'm going with 8K then. <laughs> yeah. The answer is so no. Yes. The answer is no. Oh. It's, it's, it's going to be 1080p, um, which is actually an... Up- and two, Apple. And two. Which is actually an upgrade to how they oh, were. okay. Well, at least so it used know. to be 720. All right. So now it's going to be upgraded to 1080, but not 4K. So On my black and so white then, TV, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, people. I actually have a very nice TV. So I actually gave away one of the answers to, does it mean Mike Conti and Longshore have uh, are on radio? Yeah, they, they, they will. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. Will the broadcast only be in English? Definitely not. Cannot be. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be in Spanish as well. Uh, the hmm. Montreal games, I think, will be um, about in, French? available in French. And in, 2000, in 2025, uh, they're gonna actually going to do a Portuguese option as well, which mm. is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, With Cristiano Ronaldo as the host. What regions of the world can you stream these games from on the Apple platform? So, like, let's say Dave's on vacation in, uh, you know, 
in the, Cri- it, the Caribbean or something like that. Does you the want answer to depend on whether we have a VPN? No, without without a VPN, where where can you watch these games throughout the world? Everywhere. I have no idea. <laughs> nah, it's not going to be everywhere. You know, it's got to be like in four out of the five continents or something. I don't know. I have no idea. You know you should listen to Carmen, right? <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, is the, everywhere is the correct answer. Nice. Yeah. That's right. pretty cool, right? Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, so when we're visiting Antarctica, we can still get Apple TV. Damn straight. All right. Um, Me and the penguins. It's going to be great. So will the game still air on networks, say, like ESPN and Univision? No, because Apple hates them. The, the answer is... It's unclear. Probably, no. probably is the answer. So they oh. they still will likely do a deal with ESPN, from what they're saying, and Univision, and ABC, maybe. where um, even hmm. uh, so, there's additional money on top of that two fifty that they'll nice. get from Univision and ESPN, likely. So that two fifty mi- minimum is probably going to be something more like two eighty, two ninety, close to three hundred thousand a year that MLS will get. Wow. So um, you're saying MLS made the big time. Yeah. So, I mean, the I deal, like you know, they were looking to renew at like 300 million a year mm-hmm. when they went into these renegotiations. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so okay. we, if they can get some of these deals done, there's even a bigger purse of money that goes around to the MLS. And so um, do the MLS teams and players benefit from the money that's coming in? Do the players and teams benefit? I'm going to say yes. I mean, MLS has always had a really good structure where, you know, the whole thing is predicated on, you know, sharing. Yeah, that's right. So the teams um, will get an impact on the salary cap, right? So that could mean something for like, you know, maybe another designated player because we can pay more salaries. It doesn't sound like it's like a revolutionary type of increase from like where they were, but that that money is going to get distributed evenly across every MLS team, right? So what did I say? Let's say it's, um, you know, 250, even without the Univision and, uh, and uh, other revenue, but you, they're probably going to take a hundred thousand or 60, 60 or 60 million or a hundred million that they're going to have to do. Cause they got to produce these games. Mm. They got six months to get their crap together to actually learn how to produce games, create a studio, get all the commentary people there's, you know, 50 people that are going to do all the games. Like, they've got to get all that crap organized before 2023. Carmen, can we get a boom shakalaka on behalf of the MLS? Yeah. Absolutely. Boom shakalaka! So, you're welcome. Now, yeah, now you know everything nice. about Apple TV. Can we afford to hire Tata back? Yeah, that's the. That's, <laughs> but so oh, yeah, sorry. it sounds You're like when, when you distribute all that money, right? It sounds like every team. That's great. Is currently really getting great. like uh, I don't know two two million, I think, as as it gets distributed uh, right now with the current broadcasting deals, they've got like two million a year to spend as they wish, um, or to pay off debt, or whatever the case may be. Sounds like this new deal will get them closer, like five million a year each MLS team will have. So it's a pretty significant jump. It's like, you know, threefold. I had to con some old lady to get her uh, password for the Bally's app. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's only on Comcast. And only old ladies still have Comcast. Yeah. <laughs> so now I feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can get rid of the. It's really been weighing on me. I don't mean to mislead her. 
Well, here's the question. Yeah. Will the lasso premiere be tied in? To oh, all this well, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, you know, Apple, at least the first year or so is going to maybe do some little Easter eggs like that. Maybe that's how the show ends with well, him getting fired from the Premier League and end up in the MLS. Because he, I mean, this is significant, right? Like, I mean, Apple, who is the cream of the crop kind of luxury tech brand out there, mm-hmm. realizes that Major League Soccer is ascending, um, and yes, it is, and can do broadcasting in a way for sports that maybe is a little antiquated, right? Mm. The, the current way that games are broadcast, they tried to jump into the M- Major League Baseball already, so they've already done something on this front. Mm. Evidently, the MLB stuff was a disaster, but, but <laughs> that, was beca- that, that was because they didn't bring in the local broadcasting. Baseball is already established, and if you're not listening yeah, to the, right, right, the right. local broadcasters you know and love, like it's already a R.I.P. Vin Scully, by the way. Right, right. Oh, yeah. so... Not, not that Egan and those guys aren't great, but they're just not as established, right, as, like, some of these baseball gurus that, you know. Fair. So I think it's a different beast, um, and then maybe they've learned some lessons from that trial. I think they did, like, a Friday night MLB package. Um, so they are trying to get into the sports, and maybe they'll figure out more with Major League Baseball. Um, obviously not a lot of crossover with soccer there, but I could see, you know, Apple, if they get good momentum with this in the first couple of years that they try to figure out like, you know, maybe, maybe hockey or something else is next. I don't know. That's just speculation. But anyway, back to Austin. Okay. Four zero drubbing <laughs> at the bends. Dave, back to you. Okay. So we're going to go directly to the clips, right? So if we start at, um, so we're, we're playing Austin. We're at home at the bends just to set the stage. Um, one thing you can see, so we have it paused here, and I just want you to note initially, again, Wiley's position here, right? So Wiley is, I don't know, pretty close to Campbell, and he's still quite far away from his player. Does he need to be there, Mikey Dobbs? No. No. Okay, so um, the other thing I think you want to notice here is in this clip where we have it paused, we have nine players back in a very neat formation it's two banks of four plus one right but here's the thing the two defensive midfielders which in this case are abara and uh Josetu, um have failed to match up against anyone and this means that the attacking midfielder um which i'm not i think it's cisneros maybe or maybe Almond. i'm not really sure who it is in that clip but is the attacking midfielder is all the way back. So the guy who's about to address the ball is an attacking midfielder and not one of our defensive midfielders. So just to set the table for those of you who are not on YouTube, um, Austin has the ball in our attacking third. We have a bank of four along our 18, a bank of four about 10 yards beyond that, and um, one of our attackers even beyond that. So it's really, really organized, right? Um, but the problem is, even when it's organized, we're not matching up against anybody. If you look at um, Josetu and you look at Ibarra, they're not covering anybody, right? There's two guys in between our banks of four who are still wide open, and there's nobody coming up to address the ball. And my problem with this, um, if you now let it play and pause it again at 21 seconds, Right here. So 
Um, Jose, we clear the ball. It goes to Jose too. He heads it out to Cisneros and Cisneros gets the ball. You know, he's going to be put under a lot of pressure, right? But what options does he have to play the ball to Mikey Dobbs? Really only about five feet away from him, which is not really a great option at all. He can give it back to Cisneros who just headed a ball to him, but there is zero option up the field, right? There's nothing. Right? There's absolutely nothing. So so Cisneros is about to give the ball away. But can you blame him for giving the ball away here when he has no options? I yeah, mean, there should be a guy either out wide or in yeah, the middle where he can split the lines. There's nobody. He's got no options, and he's getting closed by three players. Right. But hold on. If he was a good player, wouldn't he turn it back and maybe drop it back when we play out of the back? Maybe, but if you drop it back and play it to Wiley there, Wiley's under pressure from two guys either. I don't know if that's a great option either. Don't they do that in the EPL pretty consistently? <sighs> I don't think even in the EPL you want that. I don't think you want that, but they would do it if they were forced to. Is my <laughs> maybe point. and give up the ball. <laughs> but anyway, so my point is that once what I really want to talk about in this game, and I'm going to contrast it to some games later in this sequence in, of games, is that once you make one mistake, it compounds on itself, right? So in this case, there's two mistakes that have been made. Our defensive midfielders have failed to match up against anybody. Wiley has pinched in too far, right? And so Wiley doesn't come into play yet, but the two defensive midfielders, by failing to mark, match up someone, means that one of our attackers had to come back and address the ball. He then ends up on the ball, but we're supposed to play two Cisneros. We're not supposed to have Cisneros get the ball 10 yards outside of our 18 and have nowhere to go with the ball. Cisneros should never be there. He's a, at, at most an attacking midfielder, basically a forward, right? Yeah. So... Um, if you now stop it again at 26, watch what Wiley does. Ready? Stop it. So <laughs> Wiley, we turn over the ball because Cisneros has yeah. nobody to play to, right? So Campbell has a guy inside and there's a guy out wide, uh -huh. right? And if you now played another second or two, watch what Wiley does. Stop it. So did you see what Wiley did? Yeah, he turns inside and then out. He turned inside to double team the guy in the middle and left the guy out wide uh, yeah. wide open. Why? Why, Mikey Tubbs? Why? Yeah. Why when the guy is marked up in the middle by Campbell and Campbell has help because Franco is at home, right? Why in the world would Wiley turn inside and go to double team and leave his guy wide open? Because that's what he's been taught his entire life, Dave, is you go back. Well, I think he's been taught on this team that, you know, pinching in is better. Outside, you know, is not a danger, right? And you hear all these coaches talking like this. In the modern game, people... Out wide and a professional player, if you give a professional player all the time and space to serve the ball from the edge of the 18 out wide, they're going to kill you, right? That Once upon a time, maybe outside the 18 was not dangerous. The ball was made of like super plastic and whatever. They couldn't serve it. But that's not true anymore. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I somewhat agree. You know, I, I don't think that was the – this situation, even right here, is the worst because we've still got Franco at home, right, at the 18. Everybody else is marked up. You still should be able to stop this with good defending. Well, the other thing I'm going to – lastly, I'm going to add, so 
Pineda has been raving about Jose too, how he's a great defender. I've always disagreed with him. And you'll see right now where Carmen has it paused. Jose is at the top of the box, and he's literally trying to grab the guy as yeah. he runs by him. Yeah. He tries to grab him around the waist, and he misses. That's his style of defending. And after he misses, what's going to happen, Mikey yeah. Dobbs? He's the one guy that's out of position in this uh, in this but scenario. he was in position. The guy ran right by him, and he tried to grab him. Yeah, it's just symbolic defending. And if you let the clip play, they're going to play it right to that guy who heads it in the corner. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, out of all the all the errors there, I think the one the last one you point with Huzetu is you know yeah his man got away from him. Yeah, but that's what you know you blame in the end, but. You know, my problem, as I was trying to point out to you, is it's compounding, right? You yeah. start out with the wrong thing. You have nowhere to go with the ball. You compound it by having mm -hmm. Wiley coming inside when right. he should be outside. And now you're asking Jose to, to so, track the guy perfectly. So what you're saying is if you're coaching there, you say, hey, okay, Wiley, come here. Okay, deal is if Campbell was locked in his guy, you just make sure you get out wide and close close the space on Whoever's, whoever your man is on the outside. Well, to begin with, I would say, okay, if you're a defensive midfielder, we get towards the top of our box. You go close somebody down. You're no longer playing zone at the top of our box. You go close somebody down. Once you do that... As soon as he does that, then Cisneros doesn't actually have to come back and track the guy because our other defensive midfielder can step up and address that. Now Cisneros can be leaked out so that when we win the ball, we actually have an option. So we would never even have Wiley do anything. But of course, yes, I agree that Wiley should never come inside. That's another thing. He could have made up for it. So it's a mistake upon a mistake. Okay. What next in this atrocious game do you want us to... <laughs> flashback so 106 you really want to torture the listeners a little bit yeah i have because this know. is a setup to where we are today this is why we're going back to we're the gonna past. do a little bit more it's painful people but i think it's really going to be important to, to actually contrast it to what actually happens i want to really contrast it to the first half of the chicago game and i think we need to point it out so if you go to to 106 right and you stopped it at 106 so um mcfadden <laughs> So you see where McFadden has pinched in? Yep. Right? And look at where his guy is. Yeah, but I don't have context really on what happened before here, so I can't really. So we were playing the ball. But anyway, he was so far pinched in that uh, th this was actually, we didn't turn the ball over, actually. They were just coming up the field. And he was over in there going, holding Alan Franco's hand, right, when he should have been out there denying it. So this ball is actually played I don't know, 30 yards over his head out wide, right? There is no reason that he should be in there, right? And so what's going to happen is his guy is going to cross it, right? Wiley's going to chump it at the far post. He tries to clear it and, like, miss hits it, and they poke it in. But, I, you know, and everybody's going to blame Wiley, but he never McFadden shouldn't be in there. So All play right, the clip. Let's see it run. Yeah, Look at how day he has to go. And he's just gonna put a ball in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you give you give a player that much time to cross the ball, <laughs> in at any high level, like right. forget it, right? So, all right. What else, Dave? Not not staying wide enough with our fullbacks. This is gonna and, keep and just marking up fullback to the pressure that we have. A not letting. 
across like that ever come in? Oh. All right, go to 237. You're going to see it again. I'm, I'm going to just... All right. We're beating a dead horse here, but 237, right? 237 so, on the highlight yeah. package. Wait, stop it. Oh, stop. So we are, again, all the way over on one side. Everybody has <laughs> recovered to the ball because yeah. now we're getting beat so much that everybody is so panicked about it. Our two defensive midfielders have come all over the field, right? So they should be in the middle ready to address somebody in the midfield, right? Our two defensive midfielders should not be holding McFadden's hand, right? I mean, it's one thing if they're covering him when he's gone, but he's there. And we still have our two defensive midfielders holding him. So in this clip, they are in our attacking third again. We have three guys addressing the ball. All they do is play to the open guy in the middle, who then plays to an even more open guy across the middle. And where's our midfield in this clip? Play it. Midfield, you say? Where's the midfield? <laughs> yeah. So, Dave, just to get to it, though, and mm-hmm. we, we, you and I got an argument that you think McFadden's a terrible defender. Um, we just saw that Wiley wasn't doing the right thing by marking his man, so he's maybe a little bit better, in your opinion, but isn't, isn't great. Aren't these very solvable, coachable things? Yes. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's keep going because okay. it's not—it's not like those guys aren't talented. And I'm going to show you one other one other thing. Um, so my point in all of this is sort of that if you don't get the tactics right and you're forced to cover and do things that you shouldn't have to do, then all everything gets out of whack. In that case, what I would say is, you know, our defensive midfielders were forced to cover all the way in at left back, and they were out of the middle. But let's go to 344 because this is actually, I think, you know, the moment that really pissed Pineda off. So Pineda goes nuts after this game. A, we lost 4 nothing at home. But he goes nuts after this game, and one of the things he says is that none of our players play with enough heart. Right, They don't play hard enough. And he calls out particularly the forward line that they don't actually track back and they don't actually get um, challenges in. And I think this is the moment he's talking about exactly because it leads to our goal. But what I want to say is that in my opinion, right, um, yes, the attackers are not doing a great job of tracking back. They should be tracking hard back. But it doesn't matter. They could be sprinting their freaking you know butts off right and in this case um austin has the ball at right back our two forwards in the middle are kind of jogging and don't really address him and that's why pineda gets pissed but he's going to take a couple dribbles left and they have two outlets wiley's back he's not up the field god bless us thankfully (laughs) right but they have two guys wide open that he's trying to mark and so there's nobody addressing uh, the the really easy pass. And when you don't address the really easy pass, it doesn't matter if you put pressure on the guy because they just pass it up the field. Yeah. Right? So play the clip. So he passes it to the wide open guy, and then Campbell has to step up to that. Wiley's already out of the field. Franco you know, comes over, he, and he's so wide open. Franco came pretty lazy to that, too, to be fair. dude. I think yeah. if Franco's playing hard there, he could have got some laces through that. Yeah, sure. But my point is, 
it all starts with if you don't have the easy options closed down, yeah. you know, in the easy outlets and they're able to find an easy ball out, A, you can't get pressure on people yeah. and then it all falls back. So um, here's my thing. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Um, okay. Ready? So um, you can't mask. You can't pressure the ball unless you are matched up out of the back, right? That's why, you know, he's pissed at those guys. But they can't pressure the ball unless you – if you give everybody an easy ball to play out, it doesn't matter how much you pressure it out. Yeah. And Wiley is back and trying to match up, um, but he can't cover two guys. And you can't match out of the back if your outside backs are bombing up the field, which wasn't actually in this play, but that's also a huge problem. And so when you can't match out of the back – Right, And when the guys are bombing up the side, then you have to play three center backs or have a defensive midfielder do something freaking crazy to cover that. It all starts with if you can't match up, you do crazy stuff, right? Because you can't match up in the midfield. If you match up in the midfield, you can put pressure on the ball, right? And when you can't match up and they can't put pressure on the ball, right, they get up the field, you're playing three in the back, and that means you only win the ball when you're in the back, and that means you're facing a set defense every time you get the ball. And as we just pointed out, when you have all those guys back, there's no one to play the ball to when you win the ball, right? And so all of that is to say... Right, that we play against a set defense. They ironically are actually matched up against us, and so Mama has to go against a set defense where they're matched up. Right, they never get one-on-one on opportunities. So to fix the things, you got solutions, is what you're saying. You have to fix the tactics so that we can match up and win the ball up the field. You have to. He's heating up. Because once you do one thing wrong, it all snowballs. Cool That's down. my point. Cool down, Dave. That's my point. What do you think? I think there's a lot of great points in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think just showing that clip of you know Cisneros and just no no way to even be able to play it forward with you know any sort of speed. There's no one up front, <laughs> so. Uh, and the other clip of you were just showing where we're coming out of the back, like it's about structure, right? In terms of they weren't, in, you know, we're not designed in the right. That why does that right fullback have all day to look up, play easy ball straight up the field, and then the next guy turns and plays the easy straight up ball right up the field? Like how does that happen, <laughs> right? That's basically. I mean, you got you give a right fullback on Austin, you know, probably five or six seconds to take the ball look up, and then play an easy ball to somebody's feet who just can turn and then slot a ball through and then off to the races. Yeah, and if and we don't have to play the clip, but, you know, if you want to go to the Real Salt game, Real Salt Lake I, game next, which we actually won, yeah. um, we don't necessarily have to play this clip, but there's a clip at 202 where it's Campbell can't come over and it's Sadich running out of the center midfield to try to track a guy at left back. I mean, 
the number of madness things that happen to this team because you don't get the initial matchup right is just and in this case what happens is the outside backs have gone bombing up so forward we even have three in the back but it doesn't help us because Campbell never comes over and it's Sadich who's forced to to run from the middle and try to play defense do we want Sadich trying to no. run back and play defense we don't want Sadish period I mean do you want to see that clip here it comes right so it's like it or not there he goes. Oh, that, that's my it's guy. Sadish trying to track that guy. That's my guy. Where's my guy? Where would he go? And Campbell on that play never comes over, even though there's three center backs. So again, three center backs, as we've talked about before, is like the you know the lazy man's alternative because yes, there's a lot of guys back, and sometimes they just get in the way. But with three center backs, he's got to come out and address yeah. that because he's got two guys behind him. So yeah, I was at this game. It was a fun game to be at. Uh, you know, you felt like the energy was better with the players. Obviously, the lashing, everybody came out with the right energy. But even with the 2-1 win, it could have very easily been 2-2, don't you think? Yes. So. And I, I, I want, if you go to 217. Even though we were clearly the better team, it yeah. just felt like, yeah, towards the end of that game, as well as things had gone in the first half, that it, we were giving them opportunities. Yeah, so 217 is actually... Um, right before we score our goal. And what I want to point out in this is, this is how you score goals in modern soccer, right? So when you win the ball up the field is when you score. So in this play, um, Real Salt Lake has just won the ball. They're trying to play out of their own end, right? And um, it's Josetu who makes a really good track to the ball. So in the, where we've stopped it, Real Salt Lake has played out of the back and Josetu is about to challenge and win the ball. But one thing I want you to note about this, Mikey Dobbs, if Real Salt Lake was a better team, is there anybody open for Real Salt Lake? Yeah. And I want you to contrast this. So when we were talking about that place, this narrows before Real Salt Lake is not a good team, by the way, but Contrast this to when Cisneros won the ball before he had no one to play to because their two center midfielders, our two center midfielders were not matched up, which meant he had to track back and there was nobody to play to. Here you'll see from Real South Lake that one of their defensive center midfielders has matched up against, I think it is, it's either Dwyer or Moreno, whatever it is. But that means that their three up front are all wide open. I mean, is there anybody marking any one of those three? No. So if they were any good, they would have found one of those three. They don't, thank goodness. And yeah. Josette wins the ball. I mean, all he has to do is cut it back to the guy who's yeah, standing right, right there, back and then and they're they're gone. triangles it outside and off the races. Yeah, but do you one, see one little triangle pass. But my point is, half you had these guys marked up all the time, then Josetu could do that all the time, and he gets lucky here and wins the ball, and it leads to our goal. But that's just luck. Go ahead, play it. Yeah. Right, we win the ball, one touch, goal. That's how you score in modern football, is you turn the ball over, and if you give Araujo and Almada and Martinez the ball like that, like eight times a game, they're going to score. Yeah. All right, so anything else in the Real game? Yes, I have one more, and it's really only to contrast to later. So if you go all the way back to 25 seconds, the first goal that we scored. Yeah. You got to go back slightly from that. Just go. 
So yeah, okay, here. So we're building out of the back, right? And actually Almada is has come all the way out to get the ball to our own defenders at midfield. And he gets the ball and he makes a beautiful ball to Cisneros. Yeah. But my point in this clip is that when you don't win the ball up the field and you're playing against a set defense, and if you can see Real Salt Lake is definitely a set defense, yeah. all 11 players are, or all 10 field players are behind the ball, right? So in this clip, Almada makes an absolutely stunning ball to beat the whole thing, and Cisneros is going to run off and score. But, but what I but Real Salt Lake's back line, it's a total mess. They're totally yeah, they're not good. They're really not good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. But they're set, and a better team would they, be better I mean, they're, set. They're, they have plenty of people to yeah. be set. They're just yeah. all set in the wrong position. Yes. But my point is this, is I want you to see when Almada plays the ball to Cisneros and Cisneros scores, Look to see how many options Cisneros has to combine with. Play the clip. Everybody's just ball watching. Okay, pause it. They're not necessarily ball watching. They Maybe were, they are. They but, were ball watching. But nobody's even close to him. Yeah. How is he going to combine with anybody? If he doesn't beat the two guys and yeah. score by himself, yeah. how is he going to do anything? And part of that is because... When you win the ball at midfield, we've already got guys forward, and you can boom, 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 play combinations. When yeah. you have to go against a set defense out of the back, yeah, that's an anomaly. That doesn't that doesn't happen easily in most games, especially if you got a well organized defense. That ball is way harder for Almada to even be able to pick out. So yep. yeah, not going to be able to do that against a good defense. Yep, I agree. All right, mm. I have one more example of pinching in, but we can just skip it. I mean, I yeah. I, I, I don't think that. Uh, um, my opinion of the Real Salt Lake game is that we were, uh, they're really, really bad. Um, and that's the only reason why we beat them, as you pointed out. So the only thing I want to talk about in the next game against Orlando is the atrocious goal we gave away uh, on the free kick, right? Um, a, a lot of talk here on this one of like, oh, Cisneros, uh, sorry, not Cisneros, uh, Rio Novos had made eye con contact with the ref, who said, I'll give you time to set the wall, gave him a thumbs up. And so Rios just thought he could just take all the time in the world that he wants, get the wall set, use the post as his like little alignment piece. Uh, but yeah, somewhere in, in between there, the ref decides to blow the whistle regardless of his thumbs up, which, by the way, that's why every keeper is paranoid and bounces back and forth off the post when they're setting the wall because you, A, never trust the referee, and B, he can blow the whistle at any time. And in this case, he did blow the whistle, and Rio still hung out by the post for another good few seconds. Like, And I'm screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? I, even before all of that, I'm like, why would you be so lackadaisical at the bloody post when the far netting is just sitting there like, oh, I, I mean, I just wanted to take that free kick so bad. And I was like, why is this guy delaying? Like, kick it. He's heating up. Kick the ball. <laughs> He's on fire. I don't care if it's three seconds or five seconds. Too long. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. It's sort of a trick question. <laughs> I've been down on Pineda. Can you blame Pineda for that? Yes. Oh, God, you got it right. <laughs> You're Why? damn right. Why we got a Mexican him? international proven goalkeeper. Ah, see, I didn't think they were going to get that. Yes, that's Is exactly my point. Goudinho, <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Yeah, no, I'm getting smarter on this podcast, yeah. man. <laughs> I mean, normally you'd say, okay, the goalkeeper standing on the yeah. post, you can't blame the coach for that. But in this case, she actually kind of can because why is he even in the game? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we don't need to take a look. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Let's play it. Ready? Carmen Let's, wants to see it. There's a, there's a whistle. Yeah. One, two, three, four. That's how long it took. It was four seconds. Call it what it is. Like, that's, and he's just <laughs> hanging out on the post. Protect your goal. That's your first mission. Not to set the damn wall. Okay, I have a question for you. So earlier in the season, we gave up a goal on an offensive corner where we left nobody back, and they played it out, <laughs> and he just ran for a 60-yard breakaway, which I thought was one of the worst yeah. professional goals I've ever seen conceded. Is this goal worse than that? <laughs> it's right It's right up there. You should have heard me upstairs screaming when, oh, when that whistle. I could hear you. I mean, I, yeah. Everyone I was is, out west and I, I could hear like, you. Leo's like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is, and, and I couldn't believe it when it happened. I was like, did that really just happen? All right, onward. And, and yes, the starting lineup in this game, Dave, was just, let's get to the whole Pineda decision-making on starting lineups later. Yeah, I think. But, once we finish this, this this run through for a little bit more of the clips, and I want to make the point, then I think we should circle back to what we think Benita is doing. So if, if this is at yeah, this is at fifteen seconds um, in uh, the the LA Galaxy game. So now we've gone to the LA Galaxy game. We go on the road. We lose two nil in this game. This is at six minutes into the game. Okay. And maybe we can get Carmen involved in this. Carmen, can you tell me where Wiley and McFadden are on this play? Oh, where are we? I can't even see that much. Wiley and McFadden. Microphone. So, uh, oh, it looks like what they're. It looks like they want to be bombing. Are they about so, to bomb? so, so in the very center bottom of your picture, that's McFadden. Okay, right. And on the far side, directly across the field from him, is Wiley. Okay, we obviously had the ball, which is why they were bombing forward. But we had yet to actually play it out of the back, right? I mean, they are so far out of the play. I mean, so far out of the play, right? And, I, and what I really love about this, I mean, if you wanted to still... Pineda's tactics down to its essence, right? So they're so far out of the play. So we turn the ball over, and we've only got two guys in the back <laughs> because they're so far out of the play. And what's going to happen they, is... They almost have... The Galaxy almost has five players. It's like a 5v2. First two. Yeah. I mean, we, we have that one guy match up, but you could say that the Galaxy guy's got the edge based on how right. he's running. And Pineda would say, oh, well, don't give the ball out of the back. But we keep doing that, so you might want to change something. Anyway, so LA Galaxy is going to – so they win the ball. And Campbell, quite rightly so, has to go to the middle because he yeah. has to prevent the guy from passing it to the guy right down yeah. the heart in the breakaway. So they play it out wide, okay? And, of course, Wiley has zero chance of getting back. Right. I mean, no chance, right? The ironic part about it is – here's the ironic part about it, Right? So LA Galaxy, the player is really not good. It's this young 19-year-old, and he cuts in or whatever, and he instead of taking advantage of his 5v2 for a tap-in, he goes at himself, and he shoots it, and Rios Novo makes the save. Yeah. He makes the save, right? 
We still give up a goal. You know why? Because nobody's back. At the near post, right? The guy taps it in. You know whose guy that is? That would be McFadden. Wiley. It's Wiley's. No, it? Wiley's yeah. guy gets the ball and yeah. he can't get back. He doesn't score. And it's McFadden's guy who scores. So the only way we could have given up this goal but, is both of them. Yeah, but, but, if it, but if it had come off on Wiley's side, it would have been a tap in too, right? Yeah, it would have yeah. been either way. Yeah. So because both Wiley and McFadden are at equal. My point is that if either Wiley or McFadden had been back, this goal doesn't happen. Yeah. You don't even have to. Well, I mean, look at all my tweets on Twitter. I was like, fullbacks stay back. I keep saying it after you, like, full back. Full <laughs> back. 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 Full back. All right, so play the clip. Watch this, how sad it is, right? They play it out wide to this guy. He doesn't do a good job. He cuts it back. And he makes a save. And then, <laughs> then his teammate gets the tap in because there's still no big fat in back in the picture. One save uh, this guy makes. Yeah, it doesn't do any good. The guy makes a great save ever, and it still doesn't matter because we left another guy wide open, right? All right. And again, if if flying down the sides were resulting in tons of goals for us, you might say maybe, right? But we're not scoring off of any of those. So why do we want to keep giving up those goals? Dave, five games... One win, two goals. Yeah, two goals. Two goals. You mean to tell me it's because of injuries we can't score goals? No, we've had all mom. You mean to tell me we don't have mm. some of the best talent up front okay. of any MLS team? Onward. Before we lose the whole Dear Podcast listeners, I want to go finally forget the – we'll just go to Chicago, right? It's the yes, last please. game, right? Yeah, let's do it. The last <laughs> game. We're current times now, people. Okay. So now here's the thing about this game, okay? So I actually – was super excited about this, right? Because Pineda accidentally gets it right, right? <laughs> because so what happens is, and I don't know why he did this, but he decided to play Parada out wide on the right instead of McFadden. I think because he's better defensively. But yeah, um, it's, there were two things that happened because of that. So not only is he a better defender than McFadden, but Parada's not comfortable as a center back going forward. Right, So for the first time all season, we have a right back in the first half who's not going forward. Okay? That's never happened under Pineda. Never. Right? And what happens when you don't send your outside backs flying forward? So this is six minutes into the game. I also want to point out just for, for a thing that he did two things right. One is... Parada in the right back, but he also Sosa finally goes in the starting lineup. So when you have a defensive midfielder who can read the game and match up, which is what we were complaining about before, and you now have a right back who's not going up the field, now when they win the ball, Mikey Dobbs, so here Chicago has won the ball. They're trying to outlet it, right? How many options does he have? This Chicago player has? Yeah, he's yeah. white. It looks like Atlanta United in a previous game. Okay, now None. first of all... It's going right to Parata. First of all, do we have pressure on the ball? It doesn't look like it, no. I can't see. Yeah, we have pressure on the ball. He just played it. I, is it... Who played it? The guy that... The guy in white just played it up the field. I can't tell who's... Right, who so how it. many 
Atlanta United players are around the guy who just played the ball. Oh, three. So three. Could, okay. So, yeah. Okay. I see who's playing the ball now. Right. Um, so, we have three players pressuring the ball. You can pressure the ball, Mikey Dawes, when you have people matched out of the back. So, he's talking about why don't we get pressure? Well, when you match out of the back, you get pressure. Right. So, now we have A, he doesn't have any options. And B, we have pressure on the ball. And when that happens, what happens, Mikey Dobbs? Well, we pick it up and we're able to transition quickly, Dave. Right. So we're going to pick up this ball. And I notice he's trying to play out wide to nobody. There's one guy who's marked. And we have two guys who are back on that corner, believe it or not. <laughs> we have two defenders back. And so that allows... I don't know what what, how it all happened because it actually is Almada who's back. But anyway, <laughs> the, watch what happens in the clip. Play the clip. Almada steals the ball at midfield. He plays one over the top, right? Now, pause it, okay? When we win the ball at midfield, we noticed last time from almost the exact same position, Almada also played a long ball to Cisneros, which resulted in a goal, right? We saw that, yeah. right? But that was us building against a set team. When we did that, what I pointed out was if Cisneros doesn't score that, did he have any help? No, there was nobody within 40 yards of him. This time, when we play Cisneros, is there any help? There's Joseph. Joseph! He's not, he's not quite himself, evidently. Well, but... He, yeah. Sure. But anyway, my point is, when you win the ball up the field and you play quick, we get a good one-on-one. So we now have a one-on-one inside their 18-yard box, which is a good situation. And he even has help. Yeah. So yeah, so he lays it back to Joseph. He lays it back. He just scuffs it a little bit. Scuffs, you know, it gets blocked. But you know, my point is, if you contrast those two plays, that is our season in the nutshell. If we would yeah. just have guys back, we could match up against the midfield. Then we could win the ball up the field, and we would have this all the time. Yep, fullback stay back. So it's pretty much the same message we've been saying every podcast, Dave, isn't it? Well, but my I mean, we're saying it in different ways, I guess. But. Well, what what? Uh, yes, I mean, yes, we're beating a dead horse. But but what I what I think is really what I wanted to emphasize in all of this is we've been talking about failure to pinch in, uh, or pinching in too much. Not those guys bombing up the back, not having the guys back, not having people matched up in the middle. But we haven't really talked about the consequences of that, and the consequences of that are when you win the ball, there's nobody to play to, as we saw. And when you win the ball, their defense is already set. And you don't get mama in 1v1 situations. And so it's funny because Pineda will talk about how we're creating chances by having those guys bomb up the sides. But not only are those chances not leading to anything, but because they're bombing up, we can't get these chances. And these chances are chances that will result in a goal. So let's talk about just starting 11 choices. Can I say one more thing first? Do it. Do so it. So in the Chicago, because of, I think, an accident, right? Because Parada is back and we, we finally, in this first half, any of you all have been watching Atlanta United, dear podcast listener, over and over, you might have felt in this half, on the road, right? We looked really good. We had 60% possession. We outshot him nine to four or something like this, right? We were dominating the game, okay? We get to halftime <laughs> and Pineda makes a sub. 
Okay, so he brings Campbell off, and it turns out I guess he had some strain or something, but I thought he just made a tactical sub. Yeah. But he brings Campbell off, which moves Parada into the middle. McFadden comes into the game, and Mc, the moment McFadden comes into the game, they start bombing up the field again. Do you know what the possession was in the second half? It's probably switched around to it like 70. It was 60-40 against <laughs> us, and they ended up outshooting us by 8 or 10 because they dominated the second half. That's my point. This was a. This is if you compare this to Austin and you compare the first half of this game to the second half of the game, you will see proof of the problem. But it's not necessarily the wrong decisions on which players come to the field. But it's right. The, it's the wrong coaching on telling them what to do. McFadden, stay back. Wiley, stay back. Are we getting that point across? I don't disagree. Are we getting that point across? It because you know what? Those are the only options, really. We, it's not like we got magical people to come off the Atlanta United twos that are any better than McFadden or Wiley. I mean, that's what we did to get them in the first place. When now we've got Gutman, Gutman's back. back on the bench, and you now owe me, right? When did you say Gutman was coming? I thought back? it was going to be like October. And what did I say? You said like around now, like August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's two bottles of wine. I already, oh, yeah, I already, yeah. I'll get you even nicer bottle of wine. All right, okay. I'll take it. That's really yeah. good. I like it. So, um, well, I'll share it. So that's that good. would be you're a nice man. <laughs> um, I wouldn't do that if you if if I don't won the bet. I don't know. Maybe just a little wine by myself on the back deck, and maybe just do some Instagrams that Dave was wrong. Dave was wrong. <laughs> I happen to think it was amazing that there happened to be like a perfect example in this stretch of games where you could actually see what would happen if you did it right and then see what immediately what would happen if you then mess it up again in the second half. And it's so obvious, at least to me. So do you think that uh, Seattle, who's visiting us this weekend, will take Pineda back with them when they fly, <laughs> fly back home? I offered him to my cousin. It, He's like, we liked him when he was here. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty good. So, but. Carmen, go to the Twitter um, on the first tab of, of Google there. I did an ATL on fire poll on uh, the fans of Atlanta. And I, tell me who the second best coach after Tata of all time is with all these coaches we had. And I, I didn't include Glass in this uh, equation because he was <laughs> clearly would be last place. But uh, yeah, Frank DeBoer, Heinze, uh, Rob Valentino, and, and Pineda. And, you know, it was pretty close for a while. Frank DeBoer was winning. Uh, but I think, yeah, people wisely picked Rob Valentino. Yeah, sure. Which had, what, five or six games he coached. Yep. Played very well. Um, I don't think he lost. I think he had yeah. only wins and ties. I and, don't think and, he lost a game. And, so. and that goes, you know, that that's, go, yeah, that goes to, to show you. Um, so, But I also found it very interesting, right, that, uh, you know, Gonzalo Pineda does not have a lot of love. Because, I mean, Atlanta United fans are a little irrational, and they love them for being like, hey, I'm going to play the team that has heart. Um, I'm going to sit my $16 million highest paid transfer player to the MLS ever, Armada, because he thinks he should be in Europe. Whatever the reason, I don't give a shit, Pineda. Play him. He is the best player on the team. He's been wonderful. Yeah, and he's so good. Why would you not play him, Dave? <laughs> because you're trying to make when, a point. When I, when I was showing you that clip, he felt like Almada wasn't chasing hard enough, and he's so frustrated, and he's so at sixes and sevens, and so flailing about for solutions that he says, as all coaches will do when it's not going right. Oh, there's not enough 
effort, Mikey Dobbs. And so Almada not chasing in that moment, late in the game, they gave them the second goal, I think is what caused them to That's go to the crazy. bench. Almada uses his energy wisely. He doesn't run It's into- like saying Messi didn't chase for Barcelona, yeah. so we're going to bench him. Right? Good decision, right? You know, he never chases because he shouldn't chase. He's an attacking when midfielder. Mes- when Messi loses the ball unnecessarily, oh. he chases back and shows the team his heart's there. But yeah. And like, Almada hadn't lost the ball. They're just talking yeah. about how he didn't pressure right. off the ball, which would have been stupid anyway because they had three guys wide open. So all they would have done was run a 40 yard sprint or a 20 yard sprint to put pressure on the ball. And the guy would have said, huh, I'm still playing with the open guy. So. Oh. Again, there. So but I think your your poll, our poll, um, belies our second poll because Gonzalo Pineda really finishes poor in terms of the coaching. But when you polled again about you know the reasons for the demise this year, he doesn't come out as a low. What do you think of that contrast? Yeah, it's interesting. Is that below it? No. Yeah. Which? Oh, yeah. The uh, the the yeah it should be the second poll in terms of like what's plaguing us, there right? So. Most people are, you know, online and, and social can be biased. People think that Boca is... Just one second, I'm going to read for the those who are not on the YouTube channel. Um, it says, what is the biggest issue with Atlanta United? Why and what it needs to change? And the choices are the leads of the club, obviously blank eels, the roster, the coaching, or other. Those are the choices. Yeah, and so, you know, most people, like 65%, we're choosing Boca in terms of like, we don't have, we've picked the wrong talent on the team. We haven't either talent that isn't cohesive. And, and I think you would agree that maybe there's some choices defensively that weren't balanced, right? That you mm-hmm. could say Boca hasn't made. I think that's fair. But also if you look at um, the injuries, right, that maybe he did make the right choices, but they were thin. And that has to do with like salary and everything. You can't be deep in the MLS. So I think it's a little skewed. I think with what was on paper at the beginning of the year, Boca's roster is, as we've already discussed on the, one of the previous podcasts, equal to the 2018 MLS championship team, right? So mm-hmm. he put the coach in a really good position at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year with a lot of great talent. So to me, I think this is completely skewed and unfair to Boca, regardless of all his flaws. And I think there's probably many as, uh, you could point out he's young in his position. He's he's also probably been a part of the coaching decision debacle. But I would put that almost <laughs> more on the leads than than Boca in terms of like yeah. who the coach is going to be. That seems like it's more of a Eels type of decision than Boca. Um, so yeah, coaching came in at twelve percent. Other came in at twelve percent, and other from the comments really was injuries being like the, re- yeah. the biggest issue that we've had in two thousand twenty two. Yeah. And yeah, I don't I, really think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, um, I think that it's it, it's an excuse. I think honestly, if you would tell the outside backs to stay at home, you could play with me and you as our outside backs, and it would be better than what we're doing, right? And yeah. we're not good at this stage, dear podcast yeah. listeners. Well, at least but we would at least, at least twenty years ago. Yeah. Honestly, if you stay five yards from the guy and you say. 
you know, third you I won't let you play a 30-yard ball to him because you play a 30-yard to him. I'm just going to crash and head it out of bounds, right? That would be better yeah. than what we're doing. Uh, it's not that hard as long as you don't get it wrong. Like, it, there, we start out with such craziness that all this craziness happens on top of it, and it's it's all a snowball. Yeah. So, Dave, if you, if you were to start a starting lineup uh, this was it Saturday at three o'clock versus yep. Seattle. What would you what, what would you put out there? So do we have Campbell or no? No, Campbell's out. out. Okay, Campbell's out. All right. So obviously, then the you know the center backs <laughs> by by default, if anything, has to be Parata and Franco. Right. Right. Um, left back uh, has to be Gutman. He's way better than Wiley. But what I would say is, if Lennon is not available. I would do the old switcheroo. I would play Gutman on the right and Wiley on the left. I think they're better defenders than uh, McFadden. And so, so you're moving the big shift there is Wiley on the right. No, Wiley on the left, Gutman on the right. Oh, okay, because he's more experienced. He's, he's yeah, experienced. Okay. He's yep. two footed player. Um, even though I think Gutman like should it. be our left back. Look at but, you. But, <laughs> Look at the big brain on Dave. <laughs> I like that. All right, I'm with you so far. Um, with all of the craziness that we have had and with the fact that we just need to own things, Sosa is the defensive midfielder, Mm -hmm. right? And Ibarra sitting in front of him. So we have two defensive midfielders who are, and their job is not to go anywhere, no craziness flying in the outside backs, to stay in the middle, mark up the middle, and win the ball up the field. Okay? Love it so far. And then, so that's six... Right, and I got four other players to score goals. I would say uh, I hate inverted, as you know. <laughs> so Araujo would be on the left. Um, you would have uh, Moreno on the right. That gives you two great attacking options down either side. I would have Almada sitting right in behind Martinez, and let's go. So that is my exact selection. <laughs> With other than the one tweak that you made, which I actually love, and it just depends on philosophy, right? Like, Hosetsu, who can play defense okay, I guess maybe not after we saw that one highlight. Um, but, yeah, Abara is clearly the better defender, right? Like, yep. he is – that's his mindset. Yep. He's strong. So, if you want to play win hard tackle ball yep. at midfield, Abara and Sosa are your, your huckleberries, mm-hmm. right? To be clear, if we were doing well over the season, it might be Hosetsu at yeah. home. Because that's a more attacking situation. But right now, when we're reeling, I would make sure that we've got defending. Yeah. So, Carmen, if you go to some of my tweets here, you can see the, the lineup that I I was suggesting. Um, if you um, click the profile thing, which I think is the little person there, um, and then go to tweets, um, scroll down, and click tweets and replies. I did a little, you might need to scroll down a bit um, and keep going, keep going. Um, the There's a photo somewhere. Maybe it's actually on my profile. So if you go back to the, the homepage, uh, which I think is home at the top. Oh, yeah, there you go. Scroll down. Is there, there a bunch of pictures there on the right if you scroll down? I don't know how this Twitter thing. Okay. <laughs> Maybe hit the home thing under the bird, the Twitter bird. Okay. Yeah, yeah forget <laughs> it. I don't know how to do it. You can yeah. just tell us, Mikey Dallas. Anyway, it was, basi- it was basically your lineup, except switching Ibarra 
with Hosetsu. Yeah, and I, normally what I said is that everyone know, hated it. They said that it would ship goals. That's what's not massive. not if you not if you told the outside banks not to go anywhere. But Dave, we've been saying that for the last ten podcasts. We're yeah. gonna ship goals. Maybe these Twitter people are right. No, because it, because they if he feel like we're gonna ship goals because they're seeing our team and they're like, unless you do something magical in the back, play three in the back or whatever, we're gonna ship goals. But that's only because our guys are so far up the field, Carmen. Remind us, Uh-oh. the LA Galaxy in sixth minute, when they scored their goal, where were Wiley and McFadden? What? 40 yards up the field. There's a hint. Oh, yes. Or as <laughs> say, not back. Not back. <laughs> not full back. Full back. Full back. Yeah. Um, you got to play defense. So, so. You know, our defense is is not what we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be Robinson. We thought it was going to be Gutman all year. Those are way bigger upgrades to what we have now. So, yes, our defense is not as good as what we thought it is. But it's certainly not good when you're playing only two in the back. On that goal where we gave up to the Galaxy on the road by Mikey Dobbs. Yeah. So when you go on the road, you have many coaches who just park the bus, right? Not Pineda. On the road, six minute in, we're playing two at the back. And lo and behold, they scored. Yeah. Is that surprise anybody? And the funny thing is the commentators and everybody else is like, well, this team is not warming up right. They're getting off to slow starts. You can't get off to a good start when you're playing two in the back. It has nothing to do with that. Or you leave the best player on the team on the bench, like mm. Almada. Mm. Why is he doing that, Dave? Well, yeah, that's another whole can of worms. Why are you not? Why are you not playing Sosa, who has been on the bench oh, eight God. games? You know that the, in in the first ten minutes on the field in Chicago, Sosa, you're just like. Ah. Yeah. I mean, it just looks so much better in the midfield. And if you have back four that stayed at home and you, because the other thing that you saw in that game was Sosa clearly been watching the games, right? He's like, he was, and he bailed this out a couple of times. He bailed this out a couple of times. He went behind our back center backs to make the plays after we gave the ball away a couple of bad. I actually pointed this out to Mikey Dobbs that in that game, Campbell, God bless him, twice gave the ball up just horribly in the midfield. I mean, as he's been doing all year and he's want to do and it's terrible, right? In neither of those cases did we even give up a shot, okay? And you're like, well, why? We've been giving up goals all season. Because in both of those cases, our right and left back were back, right? And when you have four in the back, sometimes it's okay, Unlike the Galaxy where we gave the ball out of the back, same thing. I think it was Campbell there too. We gave up the ball and immediately gave up a goal because not one but two players were open in our box. So now they if if, oh there my microphone went a little wonky there. No. Um I'm gonna say we have no chance of making the playoffs. (laughs) Which is going to make my first prediction correct, because I'm always wrong now. Um 
but yeah, I mean, didn't you say we're making the playoffs? No, I said we're only making the playoffs if we won uh, two of the three games at the home. The dreaded caveat. The caveat that's that kind of, was, it, that's lame. I guess that's it. lame. Yeah, you got to either say we're making the playoffs or not. You got to be all on, in. Now, I said we weren't making the playoffs. It was so. Cri- I said there was no chance we're making the. playoffs. It was so critical for us mentally to win two of those three games at the yeah. Dons. Yeah, like that. You know, there had to be something that started to work during our that schedule period. now. Um, Carmen just pulled it up, which is fabulous. So our schedule in the upcoming games, Carmen, you want to tell the listeners it's brutal. What do we got? So we got Seattle. Seattle, who is obviously a really good team. Um, It's at home. But they're only like seventh. Yeah, but they're a second half team that always plays well. Yeah, but they're always getting, they've been getting a bunch of crap for being really bad. Yeah, this is a weak year for them, so maybe. Maybe the all-star break mm-hmm. will go on an upswing after that. Do we have any all-stars? We <laughs> do not have any all-stars. Thank unless goodness. something happened in the last few days. Thank goodness, but, because yeah. <laughs> there's been nothing all-star. Yeah. But, you know, in fairness, we have many all-star players. We just don't play like all-stars. Exactly. But then we come from the all-star break and play Cincinnati. And Cincinnati. Cincinnati's real good this year. Shocking. They <laughs> are... Former player, Brandon. MLS player of the week, right? Yeah, who's scoring goals left and right. And then the New York Red Bulls at home. Yeah, good team. Yep, Columbus. A surging team. Oh, okay, I didn't even know that. Uh, DC United at Mm. home. Terrible garbage. team. Garbage. Terrible team. Yes. <laughs> Got to win that game. <laughs> Philadelphia is very strong. And Philadelphia at the top I, of the I table. I think they're second in the table, yeah. I thought they were first, but anyway. I think they're second. So a tough August. We have a tough schedule, Mikey Dobbs, and I see, what, we're not playing well. It that, shouldn't be a tough schedule. Like, I that think that's really what tough? you're about to say. Yeah, like, with I mean, our team, that shouldn't be. We should be rolling people. Be, yeah. it, the only team that I feel like we sh- like I would respect if we lost would be Philadelphia. Okay, here here's a hot take, right? So, you know, let's say we somehow, with our talent, manage as we've been doing to score last minute goals to get a tie or to get it, you know, win whatever, even though our play doesn't deserve it. And let's say somehow we find a way to the playoffs, right? Um, the The result of that is going to be Pineda here for another year for sure, right? And does that help us? No. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I, I hate this. I I, I, I never too. call for a coach in the first yeah, year. I, I I'm a coach, and I think that's horrible. I do too. I've been thinking about this a long time, and I I've been thinking about my social responsibility. Yeah, not, we not have to a even not to even like because I mean we do have some listeners, and I but but just even me being in digital marketing, knowing like I can influence like a Google result that's like Pineda out or something like that. I hate that. Yeah. But I do not think he's the right coach for Atlanta United at this point. Unless he does something like just diabolical that changes here this second part of the, the season. And he listens to ATL on fire and is like, I'm going to keep the fullbacks back. It's interesting. You know, the system that he plays is not all, altogether different than the system that Liverpool plays. And you're like, well, Klopp's a genius. But his team fits that system perfectly. You know, Trent Arnold Alexander is the guy you want on the ball. He's the outside back. So, yes, he's bombing forward, but you want him there. And on top of that, he has three guys who sit at home in the defensive midfield, and he has the best center back in the world. So that team is built for that. And the idea that Pineda would look around and be like, this is the hottest system, this is what we should be doing, it's a system that maximizes our weaknesses and kills our strengths. 
right? Which is terrible. Yeah. So, you know, it's there's a lot of people who will say, what do you mean? Pineda's playing, you know, the latest tactics. I would say BS. Like, there's no such thing as the latest tactics. Tactics are for what your team is and to maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. And that is not what we're doing. And so I also want to remind the listeners at this point, and God bless you if you've made it this far in the podcast. <laughs> but the reason that Dave and Maybe I... we need a t-shirt giveaway. The reason, Dave, <laughs> the reason Dave and I keep harping on the fullback state back, and you're like, well, wait, what, weren't we successful with... I'm just reminding you, right, that... Under the Tata days, like the bombing uh, fullbacks, right, was a, a good thing when we had had that overlapping mm-hmm. pressure, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, let me remind you that the talent that we have up front doesn't fit that strategically. No. We so have- that team had one creative player in Al Marone, right? And the best two attacking players outside of Al Marone were Gressel wide, bombing forward, Right, and maybe Garza bombing yeah. forward on the left. How many three creative players on this team? And yeah, be, behind Martinez. You got Almada, team. Moreno, and Era Ujo right. that can take people on 1v1. Right. That team played with three defensive players in the midfield exactly like Liverpool is doing. In the final, people forget, but we started with Remedy, Lorenowitz, and Nogby. Not a single attacking, you know, present, you know, nobody left the midfield of any of those three, but two of those guys don't even leave the center backs, basically. Right. And on on top of all that, every time we won the ball, he had one of those center back center midfield defensive midfielders going backwards, right? And playing in between the two center backs. Right. So that exactly that moment where you saw against LA Galaxy where we give up the ball, right? And the outside backs were for first of all, they weren't quite as bombing as they are now. They actually were thought told to use their head. <laughs> Except unlike on you know, God bless Wiley and McFadden, they've been told to do this, but they play it to a T. And probably because they're so young and so fit, they just woo. Right. They're there so fast. And Garza and um um Escobar were not that and they couldn't get there as fast so they were back as more than those guys and then we still had Lorenowitz dropping in between the center back so when we if we had lost the ball in the sixth minute of the final um like we did against Galaxy just a week ago right we would have still had the three guys back in the middle because of that yep Dave, have we talked about it all? Or you got more to talk about? There's one other thing, a positive note we might want to talk oh, about. Oh, I like that. Um, the European Championships for women. Yeah. Um, what a magnificent show was put on. I mean, talk about awesome for the game. Did you watch that, Mikey Dobbs? I only watched the semifinal that England played, played in before Brazil where... Terrific, yeah. Um, yeah, the... The the back heel goal, the back heel goal in the semifinal against Sweden, yeah, bold. That was some bold stuff. Yeah, very nice, very yeah. nice. Yeah. So, um, England Germany in the final. Um, England and Germany both had only conceded a single goal in the whole tournament. I think England had scored like, you twenty goals or something, yeah. nineteen goals, and, like and given up ones. And Germany had scored like thirteen or fourteen and only given up one. Something had to give. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, you know, England, the curse of England. You want to tell people about the curse of England, Mikey Dobbs? I know you know about that. I don't know that I know the curse of England, honestly. Well, 
You know, yeah. they haven't won anything since 1966 when they won the World Cup at home, yeah. right? And they've come close. And, you know, they lose always on penalty kicks to Germany. Yeah. And you can see it coming. So uh, their coach ama- was amazing. I mean, their coach uh, is... So their coach coached Holland previously, and she won the European Championships with a very underdog Holland side, then moved to England, and England was uh, you know middle European team, and they now won the European Championships. Who do you want to so, wait, yeah. wait. so let me let me burst your bubble. You think the curse has been broken? Yes. I 100% disagree. Oh, no. Oh, oh, Is okay. it because girls can't break the curse, Mike and Thomas? That can't be true. Nope. All right, good. <laughs> Thank God for that. All right. Well, explain yourself. Yeah, why explain do you yourself. The, why, why do you say the curse has not been broken? Because the U.S. is coming. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Because they haven't been. Because let's be yeah, fair. Okay. Let's be okay. fair. Okay. I mean, is there really a, the equivalent of the Euros for the U.S. women's national team that's the best team in the world? Yeah. And I mean, so, so you, Euros is not best, the same as the World Cup. You've got the best yeah. team in the world sitting on the sidelines, and now you're going to claim that England's broken the curse? Well, not wow. only do you have the best team in the no world. No way. Not only do you have the best team you in like the world. You like where I'm coming from here, Carmen? Yeah, I, like I mean, coming. come on. Right. But Carmen will remind us, who are the Olympic champs? Oh, gosh. Why am I blanking on this? Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada. So yeah. they have two teams that are sitting on the sideline yeah. coming uh, for you. Uh, right? So, yeah, like, okay, European champion. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Your Euros don't matter. But you know what's amazing? I mean, and, and the story of football, um, God bless the world right now with all the terrible news we have all over the world. But women's soccer. We've had the first ever transfer fees in European history. We had Barcelona sell out the new camp the first time they were allowed to play in that stadium, the girls, the women. And um, the Barcelona men were not able to sell out the team, sell out the stadium all year. The women sold it out twice. Okay. Then they go to European Championships, right? And they have the largest crowd in the history of European Championships, men or women, for the women's final. And on top of that, those glorious England, they're like, they're, you know, they're, com- they're, they're a little naive because they're like, oh, yeah, we want the U.S. We're the best in the world. And so they invited immediately the U.S. to come play them. Yeah. They're coming to Wembley. Yep. It's yeah. sold out in like 20 minutes, 90,000 for a friendly England women versus U.S. women. And no matter who wins that game, the game wins. Oh, yeah. Because how awesome is that? A friendly Selling out Wembley for women. That's awesome. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. There were apparently 45,000 people online before the Carmen, tickets went. you didn't get one of those tickets? I did not. No. My but wife, my wife, I, I think, so, might have gotten one. You're like one of the <laughs> you're one of the most diehard followers. You know, and I thought, I was like, ooh, is this reason enough to go to... I think it is. And it might, it might actually be. Yeah. It might actually be. And that England team and the German team, too, put on a That's show of attacking football that, you know, that, that, that uh, I have to say, having watched the U.S. women a lot, they're a better team than either of those teams. But the German center midfielder... Oberdorf, yeah. Oh my God, can she play? Ober, what color hair does she have? A sign member people. Brown. Okay. She's tall. She's like five nine, okay. Okay. and she just ah. Uh, 
it, she put on a master class on how you play the center of the field. If you, I don't care if you're a man, woman, whatever. If you want to watch and look how you actually dominate the middle of the park, she was absolutely brilliant. She didn't win, yeah. and she's only 19, I think. Yeah. And she, she was devastated that she didn't win because, oh. honestly, to me, she looked like the best player in the world. Yeah. Now, granted, Germany, like their top scorer did get hurt in warm-ups. In warm-ups. I was like, oh, uh. brokenhearted. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a great, a great game. And I thought yeah, it was so England to- goes up one nothing in the second half. They think they got it. There's 20 minutes to go. Germany equalizes. Oh. Yeah. All the fans at Wembley are thinking we're losing on penalty kicks again. (laughs) They go to overtime, and England scores in overtime. Are you kidding me? Oh, it was a great game. Yeah. The only thing is the VAR held that celebration for half a second. Half a second? She wanted to take her shirt off. She's like, wait, wait, wait. And go. Yeah, Yeah, and you can actually comment about this, right? Because that will never happen starting a in the premier league this year or in with the new var tech, in the tech. world cup this yeah. fall because the new technology right yeah okay. chips in the bowl chips in the ball that are going to determine carmen i've been talking about for 10 years i was like how can you not put a chip on the ball there's apparently 200 or something like that points on the player combined with the chip on the ball that determines the second the millisecond it gets kicked and we will get live yeah and whether it's in or out or across the goal line also they've actually changed you know how the madness of keeping your flag down just in case they have told the lines people that they can throw it uh, they can throw it as long you know only egregious to let it leave it down yeah okay okay so the game has improved. So you mentioned New Camp earlier. Um, mm-hmm. that, well, let's talk about some of the MLS signings. LA, LAFC is stacked right now, right? They got Gareth Bale and Chiellini. <laughs> yep. uh, Chiellini. What and, a player and that guy. Carlos Vela. Chiellini, you know. So Chiellini, first of all, he's old. He's never been fast. He's not that. I think he's actually taller than you think he is. But anyway, he's old and slow. He's got, he's got one he, more year left. I mean, he is the is amazing it. defender, and it shows you the exact opposite of what the U.S. is looking for, fast and physical and whatever. He just reads the game like yeah. a dream. Well, let's not, let's not discount Miles Robinson. Yeah, but he's fast and physical and better than Cellini in some sense, but not based on resume. No. <laughs> All right. That was over my skis. Yeah, All right, were a little so, over your skis there, Mikey Dobbs. The best one of the best defenders of the modern era. Um, anyway, but this new kid that LA Galaxy just signed from uh Barcelona, did you read about this? Some like 22 year old, 20 year old, Mm-mm. yeah, he's like, I don't know, evidently, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Carmen, you're gonna look this up for us, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, a bunch of the players who have been signing, you know, um, even Toronto, their new player. Uh, they're coming from Europe and they're coming, you know, we said that Araujo was like the biggest anomaly coming from Champions League football to MLS, but the the guy who came to Toronto from Italy... Click news on Google, yeah. The Italian player, he was playing Champions League football too and he came to MLS. He's a little older, but... Yeah, Riggy Puig or something like that? Ricky Puig? Ricky Puig. Don't know. 
But yeah, he's some hot shot that they were expecting to be like the next replacement for Messi. Is a he on loan years or is he signed? He's three year loan, as I understand it. Mm. So everybody's like, yeah, he's he's basically ended ended his career by coming to MLS. Is well, what all the a, chatter is. It's amazing if if we can get those kind of up and coming players even to build their career. That's here. what my last tweet on our Twitter thing was. Is like. Look, this is good for the MLS regardless, right? Like, this is a growing league. If we can get Almadas and Puigs or whoever this kid is, the league is going to change drastically over the next five years. And I think Apple TV recognized it. And there's my ATL on fire trivia. I like it. U.S. soccer. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we are about to the uh, next crop of pass US baseball in terms yeah. of fandom and um you know um all these everything kids, is good all these young kids they love soccer they know what apple tv is they want what they want to stream they don't want comcast i went to um I, when i was out in denver i went to uh denver la galaxy match you know and first of all the idea you know once upon a time if you had told me that i was on the road and i would go to an away match i'd be like I only really care about my home team, you know, because the, the quality of soccer is not good enough to watch just as a neutral. But it's gotten so much better that it is quality to watch. There are good players. And we went to the stadium. It was beautiful. Completely sold out. Not a single ticket in the whole venue. And it's only like a 25,000 stadium. But still, I mean, it is hopping. Yeah. MLS has got something good going. Yeah, they do. And I think this M- this MLS Apple TV deal is is a risk, but the viewership on these networks like ESPN and USA, whatever they're broadcasting, is wasn't great. It wasn't like they were doing gangbusters by just doing the status quo mm-hmm. of what they're doing. So I like the fact that the MLS is taking a risk here and saying, okay, we got World Cup coming up in. You know, in in the winter here, everybody Day after Thanksgiving, everybody's gonna be <laughs> a little soccer fever. We're gonna have to force people oh. to log into Apple, which is gonna suck. Like, how do I work this app? Oh my god, I want to watch my local team. It's gonna be a shit show. Trust me on that. Let me just say that <laughs> it's gonna be. It's people are gonna have to figure it out. They're like, wait, I can't watch a, my local team. Like all these Atlanta United fans are gonna have a whole tizzy. <laughs> Like at least a certain portion, like the Matt News. Might they have their knickers in a twist? Yeah, they they will. And they're like, how do I watch this? Because I want to watch Atlanta United. And I think it's genius because it's a win win. We're going to, people who like their MLS teams, Austin, Nashville, all these teams that got all this energy, Charlotte, these new teams we talk about, they're going to be Apple people. It's a win win, man. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. There's going to be a new. The, the, it's going to be a rocky road too. There's going to be production disasters. <laughs> like I said, they got to figure that out in the next six months. Um, so it's going to be really fun. It's going to be more turbulence in the future. And, right. and I think I turbulence like is better than just complacency. And I think MLS made a smart move here with Apple TV. So, and dear podcast listener, we're going to be with you for it all. We are. 
Dave, right. did we talk about it all? Carmen, we, we good? Talked about it all. Talked about it all. Carmen, you're going to bring some Instagram stalking uh, segments to the next yeah, few podcasts, coming. though, right? Yes. And that's going to bring the yes. callers, which is coming to you next. Oh, we need that. Yeah, like if you see them out and about, like where are they, that type of thing, we want to know. At least yeah. I want to know. Actually. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm already excited about this. We need a little more gossip. On the number thing. of <laughs> European players who were in Miami this offseason hanging about at the clubs. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, people. Thanks for listening. See you, See you next soon. time.